Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I am your host and your three-time champion, Dr. Law himself. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it last year. We're going to do it again because he's on TV this week. Let's play. Let, let's sing. Let, let's rap the man's theme song. Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. Ooh, it's John the franchise. Season? Boy, I'm shining now. You can't see me. My time is now. That's right, folks. John Cena's back on TV. Felt like a sign that this weekend I was going to wrap this up real quick. Shout out to Armin Sarakian taking care of business against Ismagulov. Ismagulov's a bad man. I was a little nervous about that whole fight. I'll be honest. But we wrapped it up right there. And thankful we did because I was watching that glorified sparring match as a main event, Mark. And I thought... Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty annoyed if this is how I lost. And Mike didn't watch the fight, and I think Mike himself would have been like, this would be a real annoying way to lose because they could have just not had that fight. Um, but we'll get into that. We're going to get into the Strickland and uh, Cannoneer sparring match, which I feel the lack of a crowd, the lack of anybody getting hurt, just the lack of urgency. There's enough things to check the box that I think we could just not count that whole fight and move on with our lives. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Sarakian. We'll talk about um, Drew Dober just walloping our boy Bobby Green. We'll talk about Bruce Leroy himself on the best run of his UFC career, I think. Um, Mike's guy himself, Alex Caceres. um, Really just excellent performance against a guy who was surging in Julian Rosa. Rosa. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that bum, Douglas Crosby. Um, and then that's it, man. We got no fights to pick. Um, we'll talk about the Bellator Rising card, uh, probably the week of, because there is some good stuff on there. And we'll do some year-end awards next week, uh, just to give you guys a landscape of where we're headed. Year-end awards next week. And we're going to do some predictions for 2023, um, in two weeks. But for now, I mean, I've been talking for like a minute and two, for three minutes now, basically. But let me just say, with me as always... My fellow champ, the two-time champ himself, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, this man has came in second place. One, two, three, four times. The Buffalo Bills of the It's an Amazing World himself, Lavender Gooms. Yeah, congrats, Bobby. Um, just want to say a happy National Hard Candy Day. Mike, making this Ooh. no fun. Literally the only <laughs> Mike, do you understand we're doing a bit? Do you think I care that I won this much? No, I don't. All right. Yeah, I'm not, whole... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not playing into the bit this year. We're week. trying to do a bit, Mike. All right. No. <laughs> okay. nah, not this year. <laughs> Look I'm at it this way, Mike. You didn't pick place. anybody you didn't want to pick. So you really can't complain this year. It wasn't some weird. Hey, game. not last place. Yeah. Also, I, I'm, I'm pulling I would up rather the be it, over look, here. Much like much like uh parlays on bets. 
if I'm gonna lose the parlay, I want to lose it catastrophically. I don't want to lose it by just one leg. And Did you lose a parlay this week by one leg? Uh, no, I lost one by two, which made me happy. Um, I lost so, by one. You mean you got you got you lost two parts of that Eagles part of the Eagles one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the Cowboys fucked me as well. Oh, I had Cowboys um, plus seven and a half. Not I had so Cowboys well. to win. Oh, uh, which I mean, yeah. Not a not a unreasonable request given how good the Cowboys are. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's it for our picks this year. Um, we did a really good job overall. I just want to say, um, th- you know, just kidding aside, and the bit. Do you have last which, year's up? I so should. It was last year that we really blew it. No, there was, there was the year that one year ago. we won with like fifty seven percent right. It yeah, was like bad. we were we glorified flipping a coin that one. We year. were at about what sixty sixty five percent. I think year? every one of us More went else? over. I went so I won with a record of I got sixty eight correct, and we really want to count that tie, but fine. I got 68 out of um, 101. So pretty quick, easy math there. We almost got, we got 68, what is that? 67.3% as the winner. Mark, you lost both of these last weekend, right? Mm -hmm, So you got 61 correct out of uh, 101. We we all got over, we went over 60% this year. Again, what we won, what we've won this before at over of like 57%. I remember one year. So uh, I don't know. I, I think the percentages from last year um, are just about the same. I mean, all of us except Steph. Steph really shit the bed last oh, year. Oh, last year. But, so last year um, I got 72 wins. What's the total there? I can't do that. Uh, you got 72 and 45. Uh, me and Mark were at 71 and at 70. See, I won at whereas, 61. I got 61 and a half percent last year, bro. Whereas this year, we it's basically just subtract 10 for the most part, from wins and losses. No, I'm just saying, so. last year, I mean, if, 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 if I picked 61.5% this year, I would have gotten barely beaten Mark. It would have been with me. So we all did better this year. But yeah, a couple of years ago, either me or Mark won with some pitiful fucking like 56% right. It was mm-hmm. not good. Uh, but we made an effort this year to actually learn about these guys, you know, a little bit. This whole new wave of fighters we have in the UFC. A lot of young cats. Um, and yeah. Three-time champs here. That's right. Three rings. Congrats, man. Thank you. Mike's making this no fun. Jesus. It's not like we do this podcast. Mark's laughing his ass off. I enjoyed that. I don't think Bobby's ever tried as hard on this podcast as he did. Well, you know, well, he, uh, of, course, of, course, of, course Bart, of course, Bart finds it fun. Mark has won the shit before. I mean, Mike, in fairness... You could have figured out who Isma Gulov was months ago. I'm just saying. For my enjoyment, half the fun here is Mike doing his damnedest not to look in the camera. Oh, John Cena's on Raw. Let me go turn that on real quick. No, I saw John Cena was on. uh, He's like, what's this smell? John Cena showed up on on SmackDown the other day, and I'm like, oh, this is a sign. You know, the champ is here. I got this. Um... But, What's uh, upsetting, though? What's upsetting is that I tried to limit my emotional picks this year, thinking that's why I lost last year. And still, you were close. Yeah, you were close. You'll get there. <sighs> oh, Mark, well, Mark, Mark, another Mark, year. Mark killed us in 2020. Jesus, you won by like six games in 2020. Mark, you wrapped this shit up in like November. 
Oh, was that was that the bad year though? No, you did great. <laughs> you got like you got you got you got like seventy percent that year too. I think twenty nineteen was the year we uh we okay. all embarrassed ourselves. We knew something bad was coming. We're just like we're not good at this. <laughs> yeah, I won with I had fifty eight and fifty one going into the last week. No, okay, that's, not great. that's what was happening that year. Yeah. Um, we've improved. Yeah, that's still a loss. By some way. of us, not enough. But oh, what no, was what, what, that year? Actually, yeah. Um, all right. Um, well, Mike, I apologize. I stepped all over it. What are, what is the national days? <laughs> it's hard candy. Grandma is hard candy it's it? today. It's just hard candy. Um, well, you know, there's other days, but you know, they're not that great. Like national oatmeal muffin day. Get out of here with that. I mean, you don't want to put your holiday this close right in the middle of all the other holidays. No one's caring about hard candy. Yeah, exactly. day. When, yeah. what, was it today or was it yesterday? Hanukkah started. Yeah. Uh, that was yesterday. It was yesterday. yesterday. Okay, so a couple yeah. days passed when you're listening to this. Happy you know, Hanukkah! So you know, everybody not, celebrating. We're, we're by the way, here. we're not here. We're not here to give happies to like you know the known holidays. All right, we're here to give <laughs> well, happies to the non-known. For example, if uh, you guys are seditious, is it seditionist? Is that how you pronounce it, Bobby? Yes. So, so thank right you, me. thank you. If you are seditionist, or you know, you just hate Yankees. Uh, tomorrow is Happy Mud Day. Do you know uh, who uh, who that is, uh, Mark? Sam, no, Doctor Samuel Mud. No, no, no. He set he set um, John Wilkes Poot's leg. Um, a guy who killed Lincoln. Oh. He said he was the doctor that okay. set his leg, and then he uh, got okay. still got put to death. Right. Even oh, though, correct. even though, as a doctor, it is your duty. Yeah. Under the yeah. Hippocratic Oath. Your Hippocratic Oath. Yeah. Uh, this is America. And uh, we kind of just get into a big fever. You know, we get a little upset sometimes when they kill our president. So, you know. <laughs> We'd be burning witches over here back yeah, then. So I'm not, exactly. I'm not too surprised. But. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's get into it. Um, I know that Mike, um, human embodiment of the 1986 um, New York Mets, didn't win. Didn't watch the fights. But, Mark, you saw the main event. Um, I got did. second place. Um Actually, did, did they win that one? In, the Mets won in 86. Human embodiment of the 1986 Boston Red Sox. The championship went between his legs. I messed there it up. You go. Mike, Thank you. Uh, Mark, what'd you think of, um, honestly, I shit on it a bunch. Am I being a bit harsh? Because I felt I wasted my time. They wasted everybody's time. That was awful. No, I mean, I, I did see this after the fact, so I kind of knew mm. it was, I, what I heard was it was like a close, like, oh, a back and forth fight. <laughs> um, I watched this the, the next morning and you know, I, I didn't sleep super well. I got a couple Z's on this one. You know, I think it was <laughs> between the third and fifth round. You know, there was some in and out. Um, I, I guess overall, it, it it shouldn't have been surprising how the fight turned out. Um, and, you know, I, I'll I'll confess, maybe not doing as much homework because Strickland does have this tendency to, while I uh, amend him for being able to get in the pocket and trade punches. He does keep his volume and tenacity at a at a fairly even keel. He's kind of in second, maybe third gear throughout the most of the fight and turns it up slightly here and there where, where uh, Cannoneer definitely does throw harder more often. Um, and from what I vaguely remember watching the fight, it was just close. I don't think either guy really got out ahead too far. Uh, they were trading shots, but nothing super significant. There wasn't any, from what I recall, like any big wow moments where either guy got tagged or it looked like the fight was going to change complexion or going to avenues that we hadn't seen before they basically had you know a stand-up fight 
where, you know, Strickland's defense in the pocket was able to negate a lot of the big shots. Um, and he really didn't have the, the power and the kind of, you know, pressure to put on Cannoneer to get anything going that way. So, it, you know, it was one of those things after the first couple rounds, like, okay, this is going to be just a kind of a close fight where they're just kind of going at each other, but not in any way that's I, I was, significant or entertaining. I really. was disappointed more in Cannoneer than I was in Strickland. Mm-hmm. Um, because, look, uh, was it roar like a lion, but fight like a goddamn mouse or whatever they're saying with how Strickland fights mm-hmm. are? They're fucking boring sometimes. All right. You guys got no power in his hands. Um, but I felt even more like I felt. I don't know. He was, I don't know if he was gun shy from, I mean, he just, he was, hey, I don't know. Let me put that aside. Cannoneer, um, I thought Cannoneer was going to walk him down more. And it seemed like he was having a little, mm-hmm. I seemed that like towards the end of the fight, he started doing a bit more. Like if you look, I've never seen this by the way before. If you guys go to MMADecisions.com and look at the fan voting for each round, with every round, like it's almost a 50-50 split. With what people like, and like the most decisive mm-hmm. round for people was the fifth round where Strickland, still 42% of people thought Strickland won it. Like it was that yeah. close of a fight. That and was I the round even, where, like, his face getting busted up a little. You could see some blood on his face from getting hit in the face with Strickland. But every, anything memorable in terms of a shot, not that there was anything really memorable, but at the end of the fight, I was just like, there was like two punches where Strickland got hit in the face and it looked like it hurt. Like, that was the only thing I remembered mm-hmm. when it was over. Um, overall, um, Number of significant strikes, edge was to Strickland. 50, 150 to 150 mm-hmm. to 141. More, uh, the perc- he threw 100 more, though, than mm-hmm. Cannoneer. Um, and Cannoneer landed significantly more to the body and to the legs. Strickland landed mm-hmm. more to the head. Yeah, I came out of this one thinking, like, yeah, Strickland's probably good being at the bottom of the being in the second in the bottom half of the top 10 probably like i didn't come out of this thing thinking this guy should fight for like he's the only person izzy has mentioned mike really as having not fought as a middleweight and um can uh, strickland also says a bunch of weirdly homophobic stuff while also talking constantly about dicks not really sure what's going on with strickland but anyway that's the only person izzy's ever really mentioned that he hasn't fought in this weight class um you can't be Jared Cannonier. You don't get a title shot, right? Like, I don't care how close it was. You got to win, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you can get Izzy on a bus bounce back fight if Izzy doesn't want to fight for the title. Right I think away. Izzy would fuck Sean Strickland up, Mark. I'll be honest. I think there's the way yeah, Strickland I, fights, he's going to walk into three different punches I, and be done in the first round. I think it'd be a great fight for him to showcase his supremacy and you know get back some of the luster that he lost on his last fight. Even though I think I, I think the, the loss to um, Alex and losing the belt was still a, a good fight. I think he had a good performance, but Strickland would be a fantastic fight for him to kind of tune up and kind of get back some of that aura that he had before. Yeah, if they didn't, if they didn't have it. like if they, for some reason uh, Powhatan, uh, I like calling him that, Pahara couldn't mm-hmm. fight, and they wanted and is he had, and it, this guy had won, then okay. Mm-hmm. But like oh, now, like he didn't yeah, win. So like what we won and that would have happened. I mean, I think the problem is I think the UFC knows the most interesting fight they can make is the trilogy. Actually, would it even be a trilogy would be like the fourth. I don't know, man. It's fought. two different sports. It's either the second one in this sport right. or fourth right. overall. I think so. that'd be the, the most interesting one because I think the other end, I think there's a lot of people that are like, okay, um Brer looked good, you know, but he also did get grounded for a round. 
So I think there's a lot of wrestlers that are like, okay, I think I can get this guy down and win. I could win. A yeah. belt. This is a, this is a beatable champion. You know, he is very dominant on the feet, but he has huge holes in his game that Izzy just matches up in such a way that he can't exploit them as easily as some other, you know, high end competition. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure Whitaker would take that fight with Pereira, you know, Marvin Vittori and the wrestlers like Paula Costa, maybe even Man, there's nobody in this weight class exploit. who can sell three tickets. They really need Izzy to win. <laughs> no one in this yeah, weight class I mean, can sell three there, tickets. There's not as much star power. So I think that's the obvious move they make. Like those two guys will sell a big pay-per-view again. Well, sure. I'm sure they thought they had another title contender lined up when they just booked Paulo Costa and uh, Robert Whitaker to fight in Perth in February. But Mike, there was a problem when they booked that fight. What could that problem have been? They didn't actually get um, one of the guys to agree to the fight. Ooh, that's a bit of a sticky wicket. Yeah, and you know, sometimes the UFC just starts to swing their big promotional dick around. And uh, sometimes you're Paulo Costa, you don't give a fuck. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not, I didn't agree to this. Uh, nope. No. I, uh, Paulo votes no. I mean, and poor you know, Robert Whitaker. A- Robert Whitaker was just like, oh, he's trolling because he doesn't know. And then the UFC, then they had to scrap the fight because like, yeah, we don't have a signature for this motherfucker. Like to agree to, uh, to this. <laughs> to make a quick amendment to uh to what Mark says about you gotta do two things. You gotta show up on weight and you gotta show up day of the fight. Uh there's a third thing, you know, you gotta sign the contract. Well, normally you've agreed to the fight at that point. UFC really likes to put these fighters in shitty positions though. And uh, uh what, what I think is interesting, Bob, is that I mean you're right, UFC does this a lot and they get away with it a lot, yeah. but like I don't know why they thought this. T- with Paul Costa has historically not been like a company guy that's just like, oh, I'll just do whatever the brass says. I'll take this main event or I'll take a pay cut. Like he's notoriously been a guy that's like, no, I'm holding out until I get paid what I feel I'm worth. And you know, whether he's you very agree popular with- online, like he's like for a guy who like had ruined his reputation with that whole right. I showed up, I drank wine and I lost a title fight and I got embarrassed. Like he's turned sure. it around to be like a meme king. Of the MMA community, but regardless, he's 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 been. I mean, one of the things you can say outside of the octagon is that he's been kind of a staunch negotiator. He's a yeah. guy that really wants to get paid his worth. So for the UFC to think that they can just announce this without him signing a contract and that he would just be like, okay, was kind of you know. I mean, at the very least, they should expect him to be like, oh no, we have to talk about this. Let's let's get let's get a negotiation back on. So it's it's weird that they would do. That. I mean, because you're right, they do this a lot. There are a lot of fighters in the UFC that will just, you know, bow down and be like, okay, yeah, that's what you want. I'm going to be your man. I'm going to fill in the holes that you need. I'm going to be a company guy. Yeah, I'll fight for Next free. What do you mean? You know, I'll you just get... like, I just want the opportunity. I'll fight for free. That kind of guy. Exactly. It, but you get some guys like Paul Costa and they're like, I'm not playing that game. And for them to think they could take that swing and it would be okay and he would, you know, kowtow or whatever. By the way, it's uh, kind of a mistake. I've come to this uh, over time, my current stance, and it's going to sound bad, but I've come to the conclusion that. Overall, I do not care if the fighters make more money because every single one of them that opens their mouth seems to be a horrible person. (laughs) That being said, when certain individuals who have not let me down 15 different ways and let us down as a humanity 15 different ways pursue extra money, for example, Francis Ngannou, Nate Diaz, you know, we support these endeavors. Um... But then you read this week about, like, you, you read uh, Sean O'Malley say a bunch of uh, come at uh, Henry Cejudo with some racist shit and somehow lose a battle of wits to Henry Cejudo. 
And you're like, gosh, Sean O'Malley's a turd. And then you remember a couple months ago when Henry Cejudo was making uh, Aunt Jemima jokes about Aljamain Sterling, and you're like, he's a piece of shit too. They're all the worst. They're all terrible. Um, Apollo Costa, uh, it made me laugh, all of this, Mark. I'll be honest. Him just being like, sure. Yeah, because people thought he was trolling. He's like, no, you shouldn't. He's like, you shouldn't announce fights until I agree to them. I didn't agree. Fair. <laughs> It's fe- the fight's in February. It is Christmas time. Paulo Costa might have plans that involve, I don't know, what they eat for Thanksgiving for Christmas in Brazil. Might be turkey. Might be some stuff that's not on the diet when you weigh 230 fucking pounds and make middleweight, right? Like, it's Christmas. you got to get people to agree to fights. It's very simple. Yeah, no, um, agreed. Anyway, this card. Um, Mark, did any of these guys really do anything? Real talk? Like, did they advance their cause? Did, did anybody move an inch in either direction? Oh, I mean, look, it's a win. It's a loss. I mean, yeah. did they move the needle? Did either of these guys make a statement that they should be next in line? No. And it really only would have been Strickland if he had a fantastic performance. He hasn't gotten a title shot. He lost to the, the champion now. Maybe he could have made some stink or something, but that clearly didn't happen. And Cannoneer, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it, it's a win. He's going to keep his rank, maybe go up. I don't remember where these guys were. I think Cannoneer I think was like three, three and seven. Strickland was seven. Okay. Yeah. So I, and, and maybe he goes up, but the two guys in front of him who are Whitaker maybe and Izzy, kind of hard to think he's going to leapfrog either of those guys with this win. So he stays complacent. He stays, you know, in the running, but this win isn't going to shoot him to, to fight uh, Pereira next for sure. So it's, you know, it, it, it keeps him in pace. I think he'll need to win at least one more. I mean, we'll see. You know, I, I think a fight with him and Whitaker could be interesting. Maybe he gets uh, on the first card. Cannoneer or Strickland? Cannoneer. Didn't no, they fight? Did they fight? I couldn't remember. I feel Bobby Knuckles has fought this entire weight class twice at this yeah, point. I mean, that's another issue altogether, but yeah, you're probably right. Let's see. What, what does Bobby know? What did he do? He beat, he beat Jared Cannoneer. Okay. Well, he's he's beaten that. Vittori, Gastelum, Cannoneer, Till. He hasn't beaten uh, Paulo. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that would have been. Been, I th- I, you know what? I think, still it, think we can have a conversation. Maybe we pay the people the right amount of money. I think maybe, maybe we give them a contract. Say, by the way, if they oops, don't want to pay not him, Australia, we'll do Brazil just for you. I'm just putting this out there. I'm not saying they need to break the bank to keep Paulo Costa who's on his last fight of his deal, but he's one of the few guys in his weight class anybody seems to care about. It's like him and Whitaker, and then Izzy. I don't, ref- I don't ref- nobody who acts like they like Sean Strickland actually likes Sean Strickland. None of you were watching the fight. I don't believe it. None of you were watching mm-hmm. this fight. You all who like Sean Strickland are the same people who like Colby Covington. You ultimately don't matter at all and uh, are a loathsome individual in general. Putting that aside, uh, I think they should keep Paulo Costa. I don't know what he wants uh, money-wise, but I think he's worth six figures a fight, honestly. Man's like, man promotes the hell out of fights. Man's cons, he's perpetually online. All he's doing is talking about the fights, not just his weight class. He's like a walking billboard, his Twitter account, for as long as that platform still exists. Um, Armin Sarakian uh, taking on um, Ismagulov, who I forgot his first name, which isn't good considering how good he is of a fighter. Damir. Damir. I did not like this fight. For Sakrakian, not just because I was picking him, but because I thought this was a very difficult ask to fight somebody that nobody knows, who's on a 19 fight win streak with a 90% takedown defense. Um, 
I don't think he's going to get the credit, quite frankly, he deserves for how well he was grappling him, honestly, Mark. Um, I thought he did really well there. Um, it was clear he did not think, he, he, he was clear he thought he had a disadvantage. He thought maybe Demir maybe didn't have an advantage on his feet, but he felt it wasn't in his best interest to stand with, mm -hmm. you know, Demir. Um, I don't know. I thought he did. I thought he did fine. I thought it was a good bounce back wing. I just don't think. I think he would have been better off fighting some like aging veteran that people knew the name of, and by bet an easier fight. You know what I mean? I felt it was questionable. I don't know how much say he had in it, but I felt like it was an interesting choice after that loss to Gamrod. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean they they said in the broadcast that it seemingly it's been hard to get either of these guys fights mm. um, because of their high skill level and they're relatively unknown still. You know, I mean. Armin at this point has had a uh, you know a main event. He co-made. I mean, he main event uh, a fight night. So that's kind of to put his name out there. But he was fighting another guy that most people still didn't know. So yeah. it, they have not been putting a lot of opportunities in front of some of these guys to allow the general public to kind of understand. Like, oh, this is and I and I said it last time, and it's probably not fair because they're not that young. But this is a, kind of like a new generation of talent coming up, and you need to have them mingle with some of the more well-named fighters so that, you know, cause I, I have to imagine that there's still a large part of the fan base that sees some of these names. And they're just like, Oh, they're, you know, Eastern European fighters. There's a lot of them in the UFC at this point. I can't tell which one's, which I, you know, this guy could be interchangeable with somebody else that they're not familiar with. They need to have them fight someone that, the average fan will cling I on mean, to if it's a Tony Ferguson or what have you. It's got to be like they just can't get the guys. You're saying they can't get guys to agree to it. I mean, Mike, we're talking about the back half of the lightweight top 10. Fizave, Gamrot, Sarukian's over there now, Jalen Turner, Ismagulov's down there. Like, how much longer? I mean, all respect to Benil Dariush taking on Gamrot, by the way, and winning that fight. But, Mike, how much longer can we keep, like, Chandler and Gaethje and... Poirier and uh, Chucky Olives over there away from these guys. Like, I, I don't think very much longer. Um, you know, we've always talked about this division has always been one of the deeper in, in the UFC. Mm. And, you know, eventually these guys are just going to keep piling up wins and keep looking impressive enough that mm. you can't keep them away from the more marquee fights. So, um, I, I don't think it's going to be long before we're seeing them in, in pay-per-views against uh, the more household names. We had number uh, eight versus number nine versus number 12 in this one. Um, anybody think uh, Patty Pimlet could beat either of these guys? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, stylistically, I don't think they might. Moicano has invited Patty Pimblet to the rankings. To cast these hands. Would you like to? Moicano wants money. We learned that, Mike. We were there for that. Moicano wants money. The way he said it to Moicano wants money. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Um, look, none of these are good. For, okay, if you're Patty Pimblett's apparently terrible manager, are you just asking for another cupcake? That's not even right. Jared Gordon wasn't even a cupcake. What are you asking for? Another guy 16 to 25? Because I think he apparently, I don't know how people determined that Gordon was number 25, but they did. What are we What are we doing here? Are we asking for Tony Ferguson at 15? What are we asking for if you're Patty Pimblett's manager? I think if you're Patty Pimblett's manager and you believe Patty Pimblett's hype, yeah, you ask for, you know, a ranked guy who's higher up. 
if you're realistic and you saw that fight um, and you're not in Patty Van Blitz's uh, vicinity, mm-hmm. you say, no, 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 let's get this guy another easy fight. I want to try to pad my uh, my checkbook as much as I can. I mean, Marcus, what do you think? Do you think you go Tony Ferguson or do you just see if we can get somebody like... Well, I know he's not the right weight class, but a Guida type, a veteran like it, that. I think it really depends. On, I think at this point, depending on what card he is, could he not be co-main or main event of a card he's on? Is this Maybe a pay-per-view? pay-per-view he's not? Are they going to pay-per-view, pay-per-view in England? No. Is this England pay- card a pay-per-view so. or not, the one in London? Is it actual pay-per-view or is it a oh, fight I'm, night? I'm honestly not sure. Let's see if we can find that out. Because if it's know. a pay-per-view, he doesn't have to be... He, but probably main card, right? But so it is what I'm a pay per view. Is... Uh, UFC two eighty. He can curtain direct the pay per view. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, I, and then, in that case, I do agree with you. I think at this point, his star power is high enough that having him just fight other guys that no one's really familiar with, and, and no, you know, um, disrespect to uh, Gordon, but you know, people weren't familiar with with him until he fought Patty. Um, I think you have to give him somewhat like like an aging veteran, so th- there's a little bit more heat to potentially promote him. And I don't really know who that is. Um, it's tough to think at 55. Who are kind of like is Jim Miller still around? Let me that see. I, someone this this website has got 50 UFC lightweights ranked. Lightweights. Uh, let's see. I'm looking. At Miller Pat, would okay. be good. So number five. So we're not. We're saying not Tony Ferguson at 15. Do we yeah, really I think, think he could be? I do not think he could beat Tony Ferguson. I mean, I'm not. I, I think that would be a really tough i think it'd be a fun fight he could, I think it'd be really but interesting. i just don't think it's gonna happen i mean as much as as much as we think he didn't beat jared gordon i still think that was a good fight like patty made it a fight he was active he was going, yeah it wasn't bad third round with i think you know separate that a little bit because the third round did get a little boring from both ends but like he was attacking and he was trying his best he was just getting caught I think a Tony Ferguson fight would be really interesting, or another kind of veteran. I mean, like I, I think Jim Miller would be kind of an How interesting about Bobby Green? one. I don't know. Ooh, Bobby Green would be really good. Do you think he can get inside on Bobby Green? Are we trying to get him to win or not? Uh, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to book him to win? Because I don't know if he wins these fights. Any of them right now? Like. Are, I, I, I think I think it's fair to be very skeptical skeptical of where his ceiling is and who he could beat. So I'm honestly just thinking, just as a fan, like what would be an interesting fight? I think, I think Jim Miller is good. Really, I think isn't Jim? Um, didn't Jim fight out his? Did they not keep Jim Miller after his last fight, which was his last fight on the contract? I don't remember. I do think they will. Whoever he fights will probably at least have won his last fight. I don't think they'll give him Bobby well, I mean, off a losing record. Let's I think they'll uh, make a stink about it. Let's keep going a little bit here. Um, Amir Albazi, uh, do what he fucking pounded this dude out. That was great. Um, he wants to be the first Arab. Uh, world champion in the UFC. He's Iraqi Kurdish, which if you know anything about that ethnicity, it's not an easy life. Um, but uh, you do what you do when you're a minus 500 favorite. You put dudes down. He's 16 and one overall. Um, hasn't lost a fight in three years. So hasn't beat anybody anybody knows, but he's not losing. He's 4-0 in the UFC. You do what you do there. Um, Bruce Leroy. What a performance, man. Like, I, I mean, I just, I'm not going to act like I thought he was definitely going to win. But when before the fight started, they're like, winner of five of six, Alex Caceres. I'm like, oh, Bruce Leroy, Leroy going to come ruin this guy's, uh, this guy's party here, man. He was a little bit of an underdog, Marcus. Uh, he got the win here, too. Quick. Um, yeah. No, I mean, he's he's having a resurgence. Um, but it is it is tough to kind of put. He's also at featherweight now. Did he used to fight at uh, 35 before? 
I wonder if he moved up. That's that really small. Too. You think he, what was the season of the Ultimate Fighter? It was him and I can't remember. I just don't remember him being featherweight this whole Let me time. See. I could be mistaken. I'll look it up. He's on fight at one fifty five. I know that. Oh, he's, he's, he has fought at bantamweight before. Fight, right? It says he fought at okay. bantamweight. Okay, but not okay. I have no uh, idea why. That being said, this was. I mean, not only was it a good performance, he got a a highlight knockout. You know, this is something that is going to carry him a bit more than just getting W's, right? Like mm. this was on the main card of a. And I think that's the other thing too. I don't think he's been on a lot of main cards. I think he's been in a lot of prelims. So potentially a little bit more of an audience. So this this card wasn't you know a huge card, um, and he had a highlight. Uh, real knockout, you know, that he, he basically uh, threw a left straight uh-huh. and then followed it up immediately with a left kick after, um, uh, what's his name, Marosa basically slipped it. You didn't see it coming at all. You um, didn't knock him out clean. Uh, Alex had to go down and, and close the show, which he did, but it was a, a very impressive performance. And that's kind of one of the things with um, Alex is that he's a very good grappler. And when he kind of has to stick to striking, it hasn't always worked out for him particularly well. Uh, but this was a good showcase of those skills getting boosted up a little bit and, you know, potentially maybe cracking the top 15 of featherweight. Because yeah, I, I think mean, that's been the problem is he gets, he gets right there in the rankings. And then when he's fighting a 15 or a 14, he loses. And then, he, I mean, it's fucking a dog fight to get out in those dude, rankings. Anything when, from 35 there, to good. 70 is a goddamn battle. 35 to yes. 70 is just six killed. and one in his last seven. Yeah, right now yeah. he is. He's not even ranked. Let's no. get this man like. What's that? Some Barboza up to. Yeah, again, let's get him Iggy or Barboza. One of these guys between 11 yeah. and 15. Maybe if you think Bryce Mitchell, if you if you don't really think a lot of Alex Caceres, you give him Bryce Mitchell. Him and Bryce Mitchell would be real sure. fun though. That'd, That'd be, be a really fun fight. Mike, I mean, this guy was almost 500, and we've had a lot of fun. We've like we've enjoyed Caceres. I'm not sure any of us really thought like realistically he was going to be anything beyond just like I mean I think I said it a couple of weeks ago where I said he's had 20 fights in the UFC. That's a achievement career wise, you know him and Michael Johnson both in that season surviving this long. But you win uh, six of seven. Granted, he's on a one fight win streak. Before that, he lost that fight to Sadiq Youssef, which was number 11 overall mark right there. I mean, this is what you got to give him a bounce back, right? You give him somebody in that top 15. Yeah, you win mm-hmm. You win that many fights in uh, that, you know, that span. doesn't matter if it's a bunch of, uh, you know, lower-end guys. Uh, he deserves a step up in, co- in competition. And I've been a Bruce Levoy mark since, uh, since that Ultimate Fighter season, so I'd be happy to see it. This man has not seen a crowd since 2019. Jeez. Yeah. He has fought. All been at the apex. These are all been at the apex. the apex. Even even UFC 250, which is a pay-per-view, Apex. He has not seen a crowd since San Antonio at Dos Anjos versus Edwards, which I'm going to tell you, that was not a full crowd. There's no way. Okay? <laughs> he did not see a full crowd there. Fair. Um, that's, he's a showman, man. Let's see what's up. You know? Let's see what he can do. Um, all right. Drew Dober, Bobby Green. Man, speaking of somebody wanting to fight Patty Pimblett, Drew Dober called for it. He called for it before the fight. Um, this was not going great for Drew Dober. Um, I feel he was definitely not winning, Mark, I think would be assessment mm-hmm. of what's happening here. He was kind of getting mm-hmm. Bobby Greened, which is you're trying to get inside, you're getting punched in the face a lot. And then, I mean, I don't even know how he got through, Mark. Did he just wait through? I don't even remember. Just Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me... 
I mean, Bobby Green is an interesting fighter to watch for a number of reasons, but just his fight style is unique um, in and of itself amongst the other, you know, lightweights and just UFC fighters in general, because he relies more on his head movement than any other fighter in the UFC. His hands are always down by his hips. And there's some advantages to that, which the booth called out. You know, it's hard to for guys to see the punches coming. He's not really telegraphing things. So it's hard for guys trying to get in to realize, you know, where the jab or straight's going to come from. Bobby Green's very fast, and his head movement is very good. Ultimately, that led to his de- his demise here. But one of the sequences in this fight I love the most was Drew Dober got in. He got double underhooks. He was trying to take Bobby down. He lifted Bobby off his feet. I don't even know how he did this. And then Bobby got on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Bobby that was shifted wild. his weight while he was, like, in air and then got on top of Drew Dober. Um, but ultimately, what what did lead to his demise is that, you know, in the second round, I mean, in one, you have to give it up to, to Drew Dober. The guy can take a shot and keep on ticking. You know, he has a lot of heart. He did not get discouraged where he was, you know, hitting air and getting countered. And then, you know, even the booth was calling it out. And the advice they were giving Drew between rounds one and two is that you need to initiate. You need to be first and third. You need to initiate when Bobby slips your punch and comes back. You need to hit him back after that. And that's what Bobby started doing. Like Bobby was initiating, slipping Drew's counter and then countering with that. But ultimately the ending sequence was he had Bobby up against the cage. He was pressuring a lot more in the second round. And Bobby just relied on the head movement too much without countering enough. He basically bobbed and weaved over like four punches without getting hit. But we see it. We even saw it with Anderson uh, Silva and um, Chris Weidman. Like you can only bob and weave so many punches at some point. The dude's going to hesitate. He's going to throw his timing off, and you're going to get fucking caught. And that's what happened here. Basically, Drew Dober was able to throw five punches while Bobby was dodging them all. And Bobby was about to finally mm. counter, um, and Drew just got there first. Um, he hit him hard. And to be fair, maybe Bobby could have survived. Mm. It was he felt bad. He felt like he went uh, out for he a was, second, bro. I thought he went out. He for did. A like his leg. His leg. I mean, I don't, I don't discredit the referee at all. He got back his conscious pretty back but he probably would have been a couple hammer fists and that was it um but yeah it was just it was it was a tough outing for bobby you know we're, we're big fans of him he's a fun fighter to watch he's a crowd pleaser um he does have a hard time staying consistent in this extremely difficult weight class um so it, it was tough to see him take a loss here but drew dober you, earned that win well i mean he's drew's the one coming off the win do you book him and i know we're just talking about patty a bunch but fuck it man what's what we're doing um patty well he wanted patty drew dober do you think this is a worse fight for Patty than Bobby Green, honestly? Mm, potentially. Maybe just because Drew really has that that fight-ending power. And we saw Patty like get caught over I mean, and Patty's over again. 23 so fights someone, in and doesn't move his head. So he's not moving his head in between now yeah, and then either. So, I mean, so. I think if Drew's able to, to land one of those shots, which didn't seem super difficult in, in the last fight with Jordan, it seems like it would be Curtin's. Bobby would be interesting because like he doesn't really have that power necessarily. And I think stylistically the lead up to the fight would be insane. You know, these are two guys that can sell that are interesting characters, not, not take anything away from drew Dober, but you know, he's a strong muscular tough type. I don't think he's going to have got much his in the promotion. chin is an, is an, is, is a meme, but he's got the uh, Chad chin as people were on the internet referred to. Great. Yeah. Great. He great needs whatever chin. the internet can can grasp from this dude and shave off to, to make him more appealing. Cause from what I've gotten and again, nothing against the guy, like he doesn't seem like the most marketable guy in the no. world. It seems like most of his interest and intrigue is because 
He's a really tough fighter. He's super durable. He has a lot of power. What he does in the cage is the most entertaining aspect of him, which is, I mean, they're fighters. That's that, that's a, not necessarily a bad thing, but he doesn't have that kind of outside ring persona. Like a Bobby Green and Patty Pimlet fight press conference would be fucking insane. Well, here's the thing. You have a real gangster in Bobby Green. I, here's the thing, Mike. You really want to put uh, you want to put Patty against a black dude? Given the borderline racist shit we got uh, oh, last time, Lordy. I was gonna. I, 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 can, I can imagine the not so coded language that you uh, fucking thug, you fucking gangbanger, shit like that. Oh, you just call what, what? What are the chances? Patty just straight up calls him a monkey. Oh, I think it's even money. <laughs> well, does, right, that's doesn't say he is a monkey. He says he moves around like a monkey. Where's the thing? Fucking like Connor that. said that shit about Floyd, and I legitimately didn't even think he was being racist as much as I think you're able to call people that type of shit in the UK and get away with it. <laughs> Maybe. Like, no, I um I think both of these, I mean, both of them are done. I think Drew Bedover puts him to sleep because Patty's got this weird belief that he can't be knocked out, he thinks, which I don't know if he believes it really, but he he you get knocked out, this guy would do it. This guy would hit him hard enough that he's going to sleep. Like Chin is going to get tested in this yeah. division. There's too many heavy hitters. If he if he's on the trajectory that he thinks he is, he's going to honestly. The more I think about it, they're going to like they're going to book him Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's expensive too. He's not a cheap fight. They probably think, think they can get a couple fight. more bucks out of him, out of a couple more fights out of Tony losing to some young dudes. Like Drew Dober, though, you get three straight knockout finishes in the lightweight division, and you know. I I think one of his little stats was like maybe like most knockouts at lightweight too. So I mean, he's got a lot. He's got yeah, 13 career yeah. knockouts and a lot of them are in this company. A lot of them are in yep. this company. Like he beats good fa- you mean he's 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 got he's won three straight since losing to Riddell and Mahachev. Um he made it three rounds with Mahachev. Shout out man, Drew Dober's tough. Drew Dober's really tough. And he loses he has four losses by submission. I don't know. I think Tony Ferguson is, is more and more seeming like the choice if they want to get him a ranked fighter. Depends what they think of Tony. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, big win for uh, Dober. And then Michael, um, I can't say his last name, Mikhail, uh, Turkish or Polish cat. I thought he was Turkish. Um, he just smashed Cody Brundage. And uh, shout out to him because I had him winning in the first round as a bet. Just, you know, that was nice. But I didn't see any of these prelims, I don't think. I know a lot of people are big Cheyenne uh, Blismas fans. Um, She didn't win. And Jake Matthews famously said fighters make enough money and did and said that uh, he showed his BMW that he owns. So good for him investing yeah. his Rent- paltry paycheck. Much. Yeah, good for him. He got his ass kicked. Um, I don't know how it was two to one. That was not that close, that fight. Um, yeah, a lot of decisions on the undercard, except for uh, Said Nurmagomedov, um, who was not winning before he pulled off that ninja cho- choke, if I understand correctly. Marcus, can you explain what a ninja choke is? Well, I didn't see it. I'm not as familiar. So oh, I, I think it's like some variation of a Darce or Everything's something. A, everything probably. is like, there's like 14 <laughs> different names for a Darce, I feel like. Depending on which angle you're coming at with the Darce, it's, yeah, okay. Um, that was the final card of the year for the UFC. Um, can we stop with the Apex stuff? Nope, we can't. They got to stop this shit, guys, right? Like, this is like every other sport's in front of people. 
What are we doing? They, I think they struck gold, right? Are they just printing Why money with this they? crap? They were they doing this through it's February. It's not a. It's not about. It's not about the fans, bro. It's about that money. It's there about are the, Apex shows, bro. Booked until seems like March. Mar in March they have a fight night in Las Vegas that is not at the Apex. It's in front of people. Hmm. So it, I don't know. It will be. I would be interested because I. The ESPN deal happened during the pandemic, right? Or was no, that right before. before? It was before. So I would be interested to see if they start, if they get away from Apex, if every fight night is a live card in front of an audience in decent size arenas, if we'll see like an increase in the quality of the cards. It does to. seem like when you're not, when you're not selling, I mean, because there, a lot of these fight nights were just, you know, obligated to have an event, have so many events. So whatever the fights were, whether it would bring in a crowd, but like now if you're going to, you know, Idaho or Ohio or something, it's like, well, we, we got to put something together. So people come out to this thing. Although at the same time with the pandemic, you know, kind of closing out, there might be enough people out there that like, I just want to go to a live event thing. So maybe the cards don't have to be that great. We'll see. It'll be interesting though. I mean, this next one is headlined by Kelvin Gastelum and, uh, Nasser Adin Imavov. And like mm-hmm. Imovov's okay, like a good fighter, but like no one knows who the fuck he is. Like nobody has any fucking idea who he is. Correct. Like he's And this is Apex, right? Is yeah, he last time he fought yeah. was in Paris against Buckley. Like what the, no one saw that either. Like I don't they don't care. This is, you know, mm-hmm. Dagestani versus Kelvin Gastelum. We'll see what happens. But he trains with um Gone and uh the MMA factory boys in France. So Interesting guy. We'll see. Um, in terms of news this week, we already talked about uh, Bobby Knuckles. I really enjoy, Mike, I really enjoy the Bobby Knuckles, Paulo Costa story. I don't know why. I just enjoy every now and then when someone's just like, yeah, no, fuck you. I'm going home. Just fuck I think you. you just, I think you just enjoy watching the world burn sometimes. Uh, Senator from Utah says he's going to introduce the Ali Act for MMA fighters. Mike Lee? Huh? Nah, the uh, Mullins. Mullins, okay. I think. Which definitely is a priority for in this broken country that we're going to pass a bill protecting MMA fighters. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Not going to pass. Uh, it would totally upend the UFC's business practice because they would have to decide if they're going to be a sanctioning body or a promotion. Uh, be promotion is the answer there. The one that makes money. But And then the other news is um, Douglas Crosby, man. Enough news, enough people complained. Fucking enough money's involved in this sport now with gambling. I think that's a big factor in this, Mark. I think you're right. That, uh, uh, not the Vegas Commission, because God forbid they do anything. The uh, Mohegan Sun Commission, Mike Mazzulli is like, um, we're going to have a little conversation with the judges. Um, and already they're like saying like, this is going to be a learning, a teaching moment. And like, of those, because they're mostly talking about the Bellator fight, which people with eyes scored three to two for mm-hmm. Afian Stouts, and somehow five to nothing was Douglas Crosby's scorecard for Danny Sabatello, where the guy's like, yeah, you know, we're going to talk to the judges and see how they came up with these scorecards, and, you know, it'd be a teaching moment, and, you know, we found three of the rounds to be um, a little close, but uh, two of the rounds to be very close, and everybody's just like, those three rounds, we all were pretty sure Rafion Stouts won it, won it, but anyway. Uh, Mark, anything going to happen at all? I mean, historically, you would have to say probably not. Um, 
it, them just even acknowledging that like oh a, a, there's a judge that did not do a good job on a card is kind of at least a breath of fresh air but i do think this is on the heels of gambling being such a predominant part of the sport um being such a huge financial um aspect of it and then i think too with what's happening with james krauss and how other commissions you know up in canada were like oh we're just gonna ban you know i think this was a call to action to the ufc to push the athletic commissions like there has to be something done we need to save face to to a degree here a bit we'll see what ultimately comes of it um and if we do actually see actual change it's hard to imagine that that will happen here but at least there's some acknowledgement that like, oh, there was a card here that was like grossly judged. Because I think at the end of the day, they've been able to hide behind like, look, the judges are the judges. You know, they, they see the fight how they see it. You know, sometimes they don't, I don't know if they even have like a TV next to them or something. If they don't get like a live feed of the of the telecast or something, it's hard to see what's going on, whatever. You know, they, they could kind of brush away bad decisions. But there's a lot of heat around the sport and the validity of the authenticity of the results that are coming from the judges that it, something needs to happen. So they're doing the, I mean, and, and again, this isn't even a government run, uh, you know, athletic commission. This is, you know, a tribal commission saying they're going to look into it and to have a conversation about it, which doesn't seem like they're really looking to be, you know, punitive on the judge or say like, Oh, well, you know, this judge is no longer going to judge our events or whatever, but I think at the end of the day, the UFC even could talk to the commission and be like, look, we're bringing in more money to the sport because boxing's just not nearly as popular in your amateurish kickboxing, local kickboxing events and other things that the, the commission might govern just aren't big money makers. The UFC coming to town is a big money maker, so they can have a little bit more sway. I don't know. This is it gets into politics then, but it, it's it's refreshing that at least something's happening, but it would be shocking if there was any actual action taken, like Crosby is no longer allowed to judge, you know, events under that commission, that'd be a huge step, you know, and if it it could be a domino effect, if one commission says like, Oh, we don't find him fit because of how he judged this particular fight. Other commissions too could say like, well, I don't want to look like we allow corrupt judges in our commission. So we'll also ban him and he gets banned everywhere. It seems like that would be, that would be shocking if that happened, but we're at least on the horizon where a commission is actually acknowledging, yo, this was blatantly bad to the point where it seems like potentially corruption took place here. So they have to do something. But yeah, you, you hear some stuff about I heard a lot of stuff about Doug, Cla Doug Crosby this week, Mike. Um, some of my favorite ones was Ariel saying that um, he was accosted by Doug Crosby at a Best Buy in Williamsburg just to get yelled at for some reason seven years ago. Another time, Doug Crosby came to the desk at ESPN because he's friends with Chael just to yell at Ariel. Apparently, Doug Crosby writes Dylan Danis' terrible tweets, which is an achievement in itself. What? Um, Doug Crosby is 17 different kinds of compromised. He becomes friends with fighters because he's a stunt coordinator in Hollywood. Says that he'll get them into Hollywood so that, if nothing else, they can get a SAG card for insurance or you know maybe get into movies. Um, he is very much not... Like he's very compromised. Okay, I'm I'm still shocked over the fact that he's apparently Dylan Dennis's mouthpiece. Yeah, he's Twitter? also writes stuff for Chael. He's written stuff for Nick Lentz. Um, he's a old moron. Um, that works in stunts. Um, and he's friends with Chael and yada yada yada. And um, 
By the way, we got Paulo Costa saying that the UFC knew full well he wasn't going to take this fight. They just put they wanted to put Robert Whitaker's name out there when the tickets went on sale. Which uh, who doesn't? Who thinks he's lying? Sounds sounds about right. Sounds about right. By the way, they're offering him they they try to pay him ninety and ninety. That's what they want to give him to fight, and that's not enough for this man to fly across the goddamn world and pay the government of Australia thirty percent in taxes. By the way, it's some crazy shit like that, by the way, to go to Australia and fight. You got to pay insane amount of taxes. Um, anyway, um, Ben Armin Sarakian is calling for a fight with Charles Oliveira or Benil Dariush. I think that first one's a very interesting fight. And I think Benil Dariush shouldn't have to fight another one of these young guys. Without I think Benil Dariush deserves a title shot, honestly. That's where we're yeah, at. That's fair. Like, I don't know what's going on. Who's the champion? Islam's fighting um, Alex, right? Volkanovsky? Yeah. I mean, uh, there is kind of a trifecta of big names that have kind of garnered instant title verification. And if he can fight one of those guys, I think one, it'd be a massive fight for him. And I'm talking about Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. I think those are kind of like the three uncrowned kings of the division that have like the highest draw, I think, for fans. And if you beat any of those guys, you know, I mean, you don't think Chucky Olives is in there now that he's not the champion? Uh, yeah, no, I think I, no, you're right. I, yeah. I, I think he is. I, I think uh, for Charles, I think because I, I found him to be more of like an actual legitimate champion. I mean, mm. Gaethje did get the interim belt, but then couldn't, you know, mm. get it from Habib and he also lost against Charles. So I, I kind of put him above. I think any of those four guys, if you beat any of them, I think you're right there in title contention because I think those are kind of like the cream of the crop of the division. And Darush has earned his shot to take on those guys and potentially dismantle one of them so he can become one of those guys or at least be seen like he's at that level. What is Gaethje doing besides losing verbal battles to the guy running I don't, I don't know if he has anything. So, I mean, because Dustin Poirier, God bless him, it seems like he's going to be okay, is what yeah, it sounds like, because he had that bad mm-hmm. staff infection. Seems like we're getting Chandler versus McGregor. I don't know how McGregor's sure. going to make 155, though. So it's going to be 170. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be funny. Connor no, looks no, no, huge. No. It's, it's Connor looks because... fucking huge. Um, and... Gaethje, people keep acting like Gaethje's the number one contender. I don't remember Gaethje beating anybody. I Chandler his, was, was it Chandler? Chandler? That was a great. Fight, these guys are gonna get. Here's the thing: these guys are keep fighting each other. Like, let's get one of these young cats. Let's get Benil up there. Yeah. Let's get Armin. Right. Let's have Armin yeah. fight Charles Oliveira. It's time. You, what are you gonna do? Gamrod had his shot. Mm-hmm. He lost to Benil. Let's give Armin yeah. one of these guys. Give Armin somebody. But um, I mean, like this whole what lightweight division is about. Like, we're just like a, it's a big powder keg of young dudes coming to just swoop in. At any moment now, it feels like, and uh, and Alex Alexander is in here to maybe ruin that whole party yeah. too. If he becomes, you know, featherweight and lightweight champion, it, it's going to be a tough schedule Yo, to keep up. That is Although, some I like there's more. If he wins this title, mm-hmm. like that's some like goat shit right there. You roll in and beat it, like beat Islam, like <laughs> that type shit. Like I, yeah, wild. I mean, one that'd be a humongous feather in his cap not just to take two uh you know titles but to take it against someone like islam who's just been seen as like a complete monster Mm. but i think is also maybe reassuring that if he did hold two belts i would think maybe the ufc would push him at 155 there's a lot more fresh matchups there you don't want to stagnate 145 but i don't know if there's a lot of well they have an interim title fight already booked 
as a co-main right, event to that Rodriguez card anyway. And who else is it's Rodriguez and um Emmett. They're on the card too, the same card. Okay. So they're ready so to go. It, they're ready to have a fight. Schedule like, wise, they'll yeah. match up. So it it would be a lot. I mean, it's it's unfortunate because 155 is like I think a very talent rich division, which we have new talent coming in. So you'd want to have a champion that could be really focused on defending frequently. And if you have two titles, that makes it really tough. Well, also like he can get injured or what have you. We also, Mike, we have an Islam who people were ducking the entire time on his way up. Islam has to fight all these dudes. I think Sarakian's like the only one Islam beat. Like Islam ain't beaten Chandler. Islam hasn't beaten Gaethje. Islam hasn't beaten, uh, like all these Poirier, guys, right? Poirier, yeah. I don't think it'd be Poirier. All these guys were just like, they weren't. Look, I'm not saying anybody's scared of anybody, but I didn't see anybody volunteering to fight Islam Mahachev. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't escape him now because he's got the belt. Mike, yep. um, Alex Volkanovsky, the pretty unanimous pound for pound number one fighter in the world right now. Moving up when you're the number one pound for pound fighter to go after another title. Seems like that man's taking that title, uh, taking that uh, ranking literally, huh? It's just like, if you're going to call me number one pound for pound, I'm going to go get it. (laughs) What's cool, though, is that he's the number one pound for pound. I'm actually on the UFC rankings website right now, Uh and the guy he's fighting is number two. How about that? Who's uh, honest question? Do we even know who's voting for the UFC rankings anymore? Like, who knows? Probably like a bunch of. I'm okay with them doing it themselves. Is there they're their own fucking league? Whatever. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it. They kick people out of the ranking. Number three is Leon Edwards. How about that? Jeez. <laughs> How is Kamara Usman ahead of Francis losing, losing most of that fight and somehow number three. Okay. Yeah. Can Aljamain Sterling get any respect? He's behind all these dudes. <laughs> all these dudes. Aljamain Sterling, it. who won comeback fighter of the year, who came back. Mostly it was from immense ridicule from the public. <laughs> <laughs> You stupid bitch. You you cheat. The other guy cheated and you're champion. God, you suck because of that. Fuck you for taking that title. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I I think it'll be fun if we can like maybe in a couple of weeks we do pick who we think is going to be champion by the end of the year. I think that'd be fun. Sure. I mean, did we not do that last year? We should, I think we, we made like also, a bold prediction. Let's see what we, we did. have. We have enough time. We should look at what we predicted to see yeah. if we even sniff close to you know, I was I don't listening think we did. to. Um, I know you're not a big MMA guy, our guy anymore, Mark, but uh, Mike, I know, knows, you know, Connor GC on MMA hour. Yeah. Betting guy. Yeah. So uh, he had, he had two bets for who's going to be the UFC light heavyweight champion at the end of 2022. He had one bet for Yuri Prohaska and the other one was okay. for Magomed and Kaleev. And he said, no. "There was he's like there was a realization I had at the end of that fight, where I said somehow I lost it. I lost both of these. One due to weird scoring, the other one due to a man's integrity. He couldn't just he had to vacate the title. <laughs> That's bad luck. That's a bad beat. Um, let's see if anybody thinks Alderman Sterling still going to be Sterling still going to be bantamweight champion at the end of the year." I mean, it depends. Is he if fighting Sean O'Malley? Because I think he'd be Sean O'Malley. Only person, if the only person he fights next year is Sean O'Malley, and then like he yep. gets a knee injury, then yeah, yeah, that's that's how he'll do it. Who are the, who, I mean, in fairness, Peter Yan ain't getting a third shot. He's not fighting Marab. Cejudo. Cejudo's asking. Cejudo is is not the fight they're booking. They said pretty much. I don't know it's what's on, going right? on. Aljamain, they're like, sure. I don't they're know like, if he's been drunk they're like, they want Aljamain to fight. They want Aljamain to fight in February, and he's like, "Fuck you." 
<laughs> See you in July. I'm going home. <laughs> I like how Aljamain makes no effort for anybody to like him on any level. None, none. He's aiming for zero fans. Um, I think, I mean, I think there's really also all that's going on. Sure. Yeah. I think we can do, uh, let's do it. We got to put on, we got, we got to put a fight in our, uh, fights we one. like. And I was realizing we all should have one this week. I don't think we all do, but Mark, I think I got has one. one. I got, I got, I got a big one. This you was, got a big one? Was, oh, let's do it. Yeah, this is a big one. And, uh, there's a lot of nostalgia. So I'm, 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 I'm going to, you know, tell a yarn here. So we don't, we don't, you, if you guys don't have one this week, don't worry. I'm going to suck up all the air. Okay. <laughs> even though we're at an hour already. So not like we need to run the clock down. <laughs> and we still, um, have, we still have to do the nomination. So, you know, that's not this week. That's next week. That's next week. That's I thought that was this week. week. Do you have that? No. Okay. Uh, no, there we go. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's next week. There we're, we go. <laughs> we're, we're closing in on the end here, but yeah. So I was. This is probably one of the biggest early fights of Pride. Um, but more importantly, this this was the fight. This was the first fight I watched on Pride. This was when I finally pulled the trigger to buy one of these uh, Pride FC VHSs from Suncoast. This was the event I got. This was the first fight they showed, um, and it. It took a while, you know, and I want to tell the story, you know, I I had grown up watching the early UFCs because we had the old black box, you know, you can't get my pops anymore. He's not around. So who cares about that stuff? But we were watching the old UFCs and then, you know, they basically went off uh, pay-per-view and couldn't find them anywhere. I couldn't find them anywhere. And then, you know, freshman year in high school, I was at Suncoast. And I was looking through the anime section and very close to the anime section was the the sports and fitness section where they have some wrestling tapes. And that's where I found, oh, they have some UFC VHSs here, kind of some older ones, but they had some of the, the old classic ones. And I was like, oh, you know, I had a lot of nostalgia. I loved watching that stuff, but I just couldn't find it anymore. So I picked up some some UFC ones. But with the UFC, there was another organization called Pride and Pride. The covers were very intriguing. They knew what they were doing with the American audience because they always put fighters that were in the UFC on the cover. But there was also one other guy on the cover. Mr. Sakuraba, this weird Japanese guy, didn't have any idea who he was. He'd be on every cover. There'd be Coleman. There'd be Gary Goodridge. And then there'd be this Japanese guy. And I'm looking through, you know, Pride 1, 5, 6. Sakuraba's on all of them. But ultimately, I led to getting the first one being uh, the Pride Grand Prix finals because this Ooh. cover had not only did it have Sakuraba who I didn't know who the hell he was it had Ken Shamrock who I knew it had Hoist Gracie on it it had Mark Coleman who I knew it had Gary Goodridge it had Mark Kerr so this was like looking at all the covers like oh I know a lot of these guys you know these are kind of legends of the UFC and some Japanese guy so I finally, and what was also cool too, is like uh, some of their events came in two VHSs. We're talking some Titanic shit. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck. You're getting two tapes on this. So I finally pulled the trigger. I got the Grand Prix finals. And interesting enough, on the US VHS, the first fight they show on the VHS is not the first fight of the night, which the commentary kind of alludes to later. It was actually the second fight of the Grand Prix after Volchanchin and Gary Goodridge, but they show the Sakuraba Hoist Gracie fight first, probably because it's fucking weird. It had its this fight had its own rule set separate to what everyone else was doing, where Hoist Gracie basically demanded that he had unlimited time, unlimited rounds. There would be no referee stoppage. There would be no judges. 
the fight could only end by KO submission or the towel being thrown in. So we're given that landscape before the fight starts and immediately not knowing who this Japanese guy is, you know, uh, and, and again, I have to give credit to the booth. We have the, the old pride standby, Steven Quadros and Bass Rutten, but an extra little hint of flavor here. And I wish he would have been on the booth. I, I know why they probably only let two guys in the booth because, you know, flying a, a third guy out might've been too much, but you also had Maury Smith and I really like Maury Smith. Like this guy is kind of a no bullshit kind of guy. And he calls Steven out. I mean, on a former lot of stuff UFC kind of heavyweight champion, Maury Smith, UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he ever got Pancrase King of K, uh, King of Pancrase, but and and, and and a historic kickboxer in his own right. So we have these three guys in the booth, and really as an int- a reintroduction into modern mixed martial arts. I really, I mean, and and l- let me be honest, these guys do a lot of heavy lifting. So like I mentioned. It was unlimited rounds. This fight goes six rounds at 15 minutes. It's an hour and a half long fight. Just fight. And they're not action-packed hours in 30 minutes, as one would assume. There was a lot of, you could call it strategy or tactics being played, but there's a lot of non-action, right? And I think the commentary team really has to kind of keep you engaged and make you interested. And I think they do a fantastic job. And they do a great job kind of painting the picture of what Sakuraba has done previously, why he's considered such a legendary fighter at this point, because he's been so creative, he's done such crazy things. And you see that in this fight. It takes a long time. I, and I would say if you're re-watching this fight, I mean, you kind of have to understand like the historical context of at this point, Hoist hadn't really lost. He never lost in the UFC at this point. Every tournament he had been in, he had either won. When he fought Kimo, he kind of he he didn't continue in the tournament because he couldn't continue. And then he fought Ken Shamrock to a fight that he probably should have lost, but there was no judges and it was a draw. And that was five years prior to this. He basically came back to mixed martial arts to fight Sakuraba specifically. And it had to be in this tournament. And he got all these special rules. And the team they let him, they let him fight fucking Takata in the first round. It was he a had gimme. To fight Takata, and that was a bad fight. That was a boring fight. Did he throw um, it? There, nothing happened, huh? Did he throw it? It's Takata. Did he throw it? I mean, may, if they, if Bobby, if they threw it, they could have done a better job. Okay. It was a decision where Hoist basically had him in his guard and basically won by doing kidney heel strikes to his back and trying to do gee chokes. But ultimately, this fight does have its interesting moments you know in a 15 minute round there's going to be a couple minutes here and there where both guys kind of well let me be honest well sakuraba kind of explodes and tries to do some shit and there's a couple rounds where he's just goofing off in the second round in particular he starts playing with the gi he tries to pull the gi over hoist's head but in the later rounds we start to see the finale of the fight start to materialize as sakuraba engages more in the stand-up he lessens his ability or just just lessens playing the game of kind of being in a clinch a lot of this fight is taken in the corner in the clinch without either guy really doing all that much but once they're standing sakuraba clearly shows he has a lot more power he starts blasting low kicks but there's also some really creativity there's a couple times where sakuraba's in his guard he does his now famous you know double mongolian chop where he's trying to chop the guys with two hands and then i think it's the fifth round where he pulls off the craziest, most interesting moment in the match where he's in the guard. He basically grabs Hoist's gi and his pants and he pulls him up. So basically, he, he Hoist is in guard, but his pants and his whole body kind of get shifted up. 
So his legs kind of split, and then Sakuraba starts punching him in between his legs, which was also very fun because in Fire Pro, they actually took that move where you grab this guy and you elevate him up and start punching through his legs. But it was just one of those things that you just you wouldn't expect. And that, and that was kind of Sakuraba's whole gimmick back in those days. Well, not only was he beating these top-flight Brazilian jiu-jitsu legends, Vitor Belfort, Alan Goes, he subbed Carlos Newton, Vernon Tiger White. These were some of the cream of the crop guys at the time. But he was doing stuff that was revolutionary in the sport. You know, he was using giant uh, flying kicks when they were on the ground, trying to do a jumping uh, pro wrestler. stomp. He had a lot of showmanship to him, yeah, too, the way he was doing lot, Yeah, doing a lot of pro wrestling-like moves. Was he a Billy Robinson um, trained guy, or just his catch wrestling was just like other places? It was where Shakaraba got all his catch wrestling from. Was it no, from the, it, it was it was Japanese-oriented. Oh, it wasn't was, it I mean, from Billy? He, he, was, he was training under Takata, which you would think, like, what could that guy show you? Because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't have a, a, a lot. But, yeah, basically, I mean, that was – the Takata Dojo is really where he trained. Basically, most of his career. I think eventually he did go to shoot. Oh, he does have. He does, you look on Wikipedia. He's got. Uh, he's got Billy Robinson listed too. Maybe. Maybe. maybe Billy Robinson's kind of like the grandfather of a lot of this shit, though. He might have come like Takata to Billy Robinson. Yeah, type shit, I, I, like, I. I wouldn't yeah. know to, to that degree necessarily, but it, it's just it, it's a really legendary historic fight. Um, and I think I, I think the whole event, the whole Grand Prix, was really interesting. Uh. Because they're saying in the booth too, like, you know, none of the fighters in the back thought whoever wins this unlimited time fight is not going to continue on in the tournament. They he basically somehow bow fucking out. did. And Sakuraba <laughs> did. Yeah. Sakuraba, <laughs> he, he fought for an hour and a half. And I, I, again, not at the most grueling pace in the world, but he, you know, it was a long fight. Um, and he goes on to fight Igor Bochanchin, who's, you know, one of the most feared strikers at this time in the world. Like, mm. Pride, UFC, Bar not like Igor had cut his teeth at this point. Igor had like almost 50 fights and had lost one. Mm -hmm. The one fight he lost is because he lost by submission due to guy jamming chin into his eye, basically headbutting mm -hmm. his eye with his chin was, his, was the submission he lost to. It was like, Oh yeah, well I'm not going to take your, your chin strikes to my orbital. So I guess I'll tap out. Um, but other than that, you know, Igor was basically, you know, demolishing people and killing people. He beat Mark Kerr right before this tournament started. Um, so for Sakuraba to go in there and, and give, you know, a, a fairly close contest contested fight, you know, ultimately he lost to Bo Chanchin. Um, and, and then Chanchin you know, got his fucking head kneaded to oblivion by Mark. Yeah. Coleman. And then, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then the other side of the tournament, we had <laughs> Coleman who, you know, loved the guy to death. But ultimately got a really easy part of the bracket. I mean, look, at I love Akira Soji. I fucking nominated him into our Hall of Fame uh, because I have a lot of respect for the guy. But Coleman basically took that guy down and blasted his ribs. It was It's probably one of the only times I've seen someone ground and pound the body to the extent where like his body was black and blue. Yeah. You could see the fist marks in this dude's ribs. Now look at Sakura. I mean, uh... Soji's got a lot of flab on him, you know. Mark Coleman was basically the Incredible Hulk at this point. He was huge, yeah. and we and all thought—I mean, everybody thought they were going to get Mark Cole, Mark Coleman versus Mark Kerr, and it didn't happen either, right? Because yeah. Kerr fought Fujita, who was a very green MMA fighter at that point, but Kerr basically blasted him with a great knee and then ran out of stamina, and Fujita just kind of took over, and then Fujita his knee blew out. Yeah. So instead of and instead of you know bowing out of the tournament. He decided to fight Coleman for all the three seconds because he ran across shot and immediately grabbed. His Mike, knee if, if your takeaway is it from this that I should watch the Pride Grand Prix 2000 tournament, I mean that that just to be clear, that's what that's what we're at here. 
That's what we're doing yeah. in the, in the year 2023. We're buying a Fight Pass membership <laughs> so we can all watch old Pride and, fights. And I mean, it's look it. It's a big ask, and I don't. And again, like it's not filled with fucking action. What I will say is, like, if you can put yourself in the headspace of like going back to 2000, 22 years ago, and this being, I mean, for me, there's a lot of nostalgia, and just being like, okay, like I haven't watched MMA before, and these guys are breaking it down and explaining everything. I think the commentary team Bro, makes they, the fight. They got forty thousand but... people at the edge of their seats for ninety minutes. Okay, these people were fucking watching. They yeah. were into it. I watched this one time. I watched the fight one time. Yeah, I zoned in and out of it a bunch of times. I'm not even going to lie to you. I've watched I mean, the highlight reel a bunch of times. You go on YouTube, someone's got a highlight reel. When like, I got the VHS, it was not a one sitting. Yeah, you know, I think I got it to an hour, and I was like, okay, this might be another day. Um, but it is historic, uh, and I do think it, it's still entertaining into its own right, just to kind of see that fight, just for you know what it meant for like the sport. But also, I think it's entertaining because I do think Boss Quadros and Maurice have really great chemistry together. Like these are, these are guys that are like are in this sport. And this ultimately did lead to something I'll talk about and stuff. We like, uh, you know, after this, I was like, I, I want to dig into to, to Maury Smith and his career. And then, cause during the fight, they're talking about like legendary Dutch kickboxers fighting in Thailand and the stuff they would do. They, they drop a lot of hints, like the Valley uh, international Valley judo uh, president was there for some reason, Eric Clapton, was in the audience. I guess Clapton's a big pride head back in 2000. And Bobby, the one little treasure. I didn't know this. As a little kid, how would I know? There's that one point, because they, they, they shoot to the audience and some of the famous. That's where I saw Eric Clapton was there. And, and at one point, they they pan the camera to this Japanese uh, comedic star. That's like I kind of recognize his face. I don't really know who he is. The dude sitting next to him. Guess what shirt he's got on? Hmm. He leans his back. He's pointing to the back. They got. A, he's got a little symbol on his back. It's fucking Genki Sudo. Oh. Two thousand Genki Sudo. I had no idea who it was. It was just this little Phoenix shirt. But I'm watching. I was like, holy shit! In two thousand, someone had a fucking Genki Sudo shirt. One, I want that. And two, what did you know? Little did I know at the time. Like, oh, my favorite fighter. There's a little, a little blimp that I wouldn't realize until 22 years later. This dude's rocking a, a you know, a Genki Yeah, if anybody's ever wondered what's the background of the It's I'm Amazing website, it's Genki Sudo. Yeah, it's Genki Sudo. I he's think a, that's when he beat Roman Decker. Yeah, the big We Are and All One. he's holding one. his We Are All One sign. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a fun. And that's the thing is like there's lots of little tidbits. Yo, do you think um, do you think when, you know, Sakuraba is getting all this credit for being the guy who beats Hoist and he's the first one to beat Hoist and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Do you think Waleed is at home just like, bitch, I choked him out two years it. ago. I they choked him it. out two years ago in yeah. four and a half minutes in front of all of his friends and family. They they mentioned it in the broadcast. They're like, yeah, you know, in Brazil, Hoist, you know, not too recent, you know, not too long ago, fought Valid Ishmael and was choked unconscious. And went to you know. sleep in less than five minutes. Yeah. Mike, when, when we talk about Walid being a legend, that's it's not just because he's a crazy person. It's because he choked Oit, choked out Hoist Gracie when Hoist Gracie was doing the same shit. He made all these rules. He could only win by the same way in that one. There was no time limits. There was no points. You could mm -hmm. only lose by submission. And Walid is like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clock choke you with your own fucking gi. Yeah, that's and, what I'm about that, to do. And I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Bob. But I heard it. It's not long. It's like seven no, minutes. It, or something. He it's literally not, beat him in four and a half minutes. Three hour fight. He beat him in four and a half minutes in front of yeah. all of his friends and family. It's great. <laughs> it's wonderful, quite frankly. And then they tried to book a rematch, and then uh, I think Walid was said like, "I would like the deed to your house." <laughs>
If we're if I'm gonna fight you again, I already beat you. Yeah. Um, so that's why I got this. The Gracies like their one. own. Gracies are not. The Gracies are a big fan of changing the rules. <laughs> and uh, they had a legacy. They they, they yeah. built themselves up and their school and their teachings to kind of. And again, like it's it's so hard to. Like if there's any young fans that only have known the Conor McGregor past, it's so hard to kind of understand it and relate. Like mixed martial arts wasn't a thing. Like it was karate's better than boxing or kickboxing and taekwondo is better than Muay Thai. Like there was not a lot of competitions where all of there was limited rules. You know, it really was UFC on on the highest level kind of showcasing that. And Mark, I- I'm gonna need you. In the next month, for the love of God, mm. to induct Bob Sapp versus Big Nog into this thing. Because oh, okay. how have we yeah, not? Okay. He hit him with a pile driver 10 seconds in. He picked him up, yeah. hit him with a fucking cradle pile driver, and we thought the man's neck it, didn't it exist. Shook the arena, the power went out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the power goes out in the stadium, I think, almost immediately as that happened. Is the literal it's, embodiment of us. in the booth, like, oh, he just killed a man. Let's, let's it's like, what would go. happen if a normal dude fought a science experiment? There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. all right. That we'll was a good choice, it. man. You really went into it too. That was a good, like, 15 minute explanation. I'm like, Mark, I'm like, I'm good. I got nothing this week. Muted. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, no, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I ain't got shit. Yeah. Mike, do you want to watch the Pride Grand Prix now? Has it done for you? Maybe not a 90-minute fight, but the rest of it. It's, it's a hard I pass. do. We haven't um we haven't gotten the UFC pass. No, I'm not, maybe I'll do that. I, I just, you know, I'll be honest, people. I'm not giving the UFC my credit card information. I don't trust them, especially when <laughs> it was found out that they were saving everybody's name and passwords on a notepad document. They were all there on a notepad. The CSV right well, there. You know so, they can't get hacked, at least. It was. That's how it all we all found out. <laughs> Someone just exported it into Excel. Um, we're gonna get ourselves a gift card and buy ourselves a Visa gift card and buy ourselves a year of fight pass. That's what we're gonna there do. You go. I'm down. I'll jump um, in. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Sure. Um, let Mark end it because I know where he's going. I think too with that. He sent all us right, the video. Cool. That was awesome. Um, Let's see. Uh, I don't remember what I did this week. All right. Well, while well, you're you thinking go ahead. about you go that, ahead, buddy. Yeah. I can go first. Yeah. Uh, I started watching this show on Netflix as I was priming my kitchen today uh, called The Recruit. It's a bit of a different take on like your normal like CIA, um, you know, like or spy drama where the main character isn't a spy in the CIA. He's just a lawyer in uh, the the office of the general counsel for the CIA, and somehow he keeps getting drawn into like the shit that a normal spy would do. Um, he has absolutely no combat skills. He kind of is just like a wimpy, like a wimpy guy who's just a little cool. And I've enjoyed the show. It has a pretty good story over the the four episodes. Uh, that I was able to half watch while while painting, so I'll probably go back and rewatch them since it was good enough that it caught my attention. But frankly, I was trying to paint, so didn't watch it too well. So I'll give you a full update next week. But I am pretty confident to just recommend the recruit. Um, nice. I'll just say real quick. 
it's my standby if I can't think of anything else because I know I definitely watch wrestling. I really liked how much everybody got behind Ricky Starks. I'm not sure how much AEW you watched in the last couple of weeks, Mike, but Ricky Starks caught a cut a brilliant promo last week. Um, really just a promo of his life. And of those of us who we've all I think Mike and I and most people who know anything knew Ricky Starks really had it in him to be a guy. And he became one. And um a little bit unfortunate, I think, because we all recognized, Mike, that there was a zero percent chance he was gonna beat Max uh in the, yep. for the world championship, especially six weeks after Max won it. I think four weeks maybe. So we knew that wasn't going to happen, but it was really nice to see him get that shine. I really have liked what they're doing with the show. It seems like they've really veered back into being what this company is supposed to be, which is showcasing a lot of newer talent while sprinkling in the more established ones. Um, And I really thought Max and Ricky just put on a great match for a TV pay-per-view, TV championship match. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. Everybody came out looking like a million bucks. Fucking MJF's a great wrestler. Like, he does what you're supposed to do. You draw emotion out of people. You're not trying to do 75 million flips always. Um, I thought that was just really well. I thought that whole buildup and execution was excellent. And um, same time, I'm really excited to see a Max versus uh, Brian Danielson feud. Because I personally think Brian Danielson is maybe the best wrestler in the ring I think I've ever seen. I just have never seen anybody where every single thing he does, I can I know it was with purpose. There's no wasted movement and everything looks like he's trying to win the match still. Even with this theatrics and the pumping up and the regular wrestling stuff. So I'm very excited to see Babyface Danielson against MJF and I'm excited to see where uh, Ricky goes from here. Because I think there's a lot of meat on the bone with Ricky Starks as a main event wrestler. And I hope he doesn't get, you know, uh, lost in the shuffle, which happens when you have only a three-hour show and a lot of guys. And then one last thing. I do like that Jacksonville Jaguar fans have noticed that ever since Trevor Lawrence took a picture with the um, the very attractive women of the AEW <laughs> roster, <laughs> there's a picture of uh, Trevor Lawrence with... Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, and uh, Jade Cargill. And people have said since then, uh, the Jaguars and Mr. Lawrence have been playing on a whole different level. And I just, I like a good internet internet meme sometimes like that. That made me, that made me laugh. But uh, Marcus, this has pretty much been your show second half of the way. So let's go. <laughs> mm. Uh, I'll, I'll keep this fairly short because there hasn't been like a ton of like really big stuff going on. But um, some of the news that I'm actually excited about, me and Bob talked about a little bit at work. Um, former Superman actor, former Witcher actor Henry Cavell. Cavell, Sorrell. I don't know. I call him, I call him Henry Cavill, but I could be wrong. Cavill. Yeah, and I think uh, that's right. Uh, um, they announced that he's um, going to uh, executive produce and star in a Warhammer 40k. Movie, franchise, series, whatever it is. Um, and I, I mentioned on the show before that, you know, I've been really interested in just the aesthetics of 40K and kind of the lore around it. And I, I have always thought for a long time that this is really cool shit. And if it had some kind of vehicle to 
kind of show it to the masses in the right way, it could be a very formidable, popular franchise. Like, I think it just has a lot of really interesting, cool, dark fantasy shit in it that, like, I think the general public, especially, I mean, people of my ilk that are geeks that aren't super familiar with it would think that it's very fucking cool. Because it is. It's just, like, they the different armies and stuff they have in place and how they've built them around is really fascinating. And that's kind of one of the interesting things about this whole pickup is just like, I don't know where they're going to start or how do you, you know, kind of introduce the public to this huge franchise with all these different factions and armies. And how do you get the audience invested in something that's so big and wide scale? It's going to be really interesting to see what kind of Avenue they go in. Um, but it's good they got Henry. I think he is someone that a lot of people know. He's a very rec- recognizable actor. And I think a lot of people, specifically in this case, respect him being in this position because he's been very um, forthcoming that he's a huge 40K fan. You know, he's been on, I think it was on Scott Graham. I think he's like a UK late night television host or something. He was in an interview with there where Scott Graham was trying to poke fun of his hobby of warhammer he's like oh you do the the warcraft thing you paint the figures like let's warhammer and he kind of explained yeah there's armies and you paint them and you can also play them and it kind of seemed like he was trying to rib them that like oh you know look at this you know handsome dashing guy and he plays this geeky thing but tom holland was also there and he kind of chimed in he's like that sounds like a lot of fun can i try that and i think that kind of just proved like this is an interesting hobby that a lot of people find really you know therapeutic and i think there's just a lot of there's a lot of gold to mine out of this so it'll be interesting to see how they present this and if it does well um you know amazon's got the money to push to push on it i don't know if they will i kind of think they need to i kind of think you have to go big budget you have to kind of really show the gore and the violence and you know these big monolithic cities and spaceships and all the stuff that costs a lot of money so we'll see what comes of it but it's exciting uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention really quickly on uh, Disney Plus, I have started watching that Willow series. I had only seen the movie like three or four years ago, and I enjoyed it, but there's really no nostalgia there for me personally. Um, and I could say that I've really enjoyed the series. It, it's kind of like a young adult's take on fantasy. You know, a lot of it's about this like princess who, you know, she doesn't want to be a princess. She wants to be a warrior and to get away from this stuff and what have you. And uh, it does a pretty, I mean, I've, I've found it fairly captivating. I think we watched the first three episodes. I think there's four or five out there now and I've enjoyed it. I, I think if you liked Willow or had a, a lot of nostalgia for those characters or what have you, I think you'll enjoy it as well. Um, obviously there, there's a, a handful of characters that aren't reoccurring. Um, but you know, Warren, is it Warren Davis? Is that the actor's name? I'm really War- Warwick Davis. War- Warwick. 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 Warwick yeah. call Mike. Obviously, the, the titular uh, Willow, um, he does a great job. And, and overall, I just really enjoyed it. I think it's been it's a fun little fantasy romp, if you're in the mood for that. Um, the last thing I did want to mention, um, and I alluded to it earlier, you know, while digging into Maury Smith's past, you know, I go on YouTube, I'm trying to find his fights, and I couldn't find the one I was looking for, but I found a highlight uh, reel of his, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I haven't. I've seen Maurice in K one, where he didn't really stand out. Yeah, mostly, I've seen him get head kicked by Ernesto Hoost, and that was kind of it. Um, but then I, I found this channel called Old School Fighter. Now these guys go back farther than I'm aware of, and I've been thoroughly enjoying because, like I was talking about in the Grand Prix, uh, Maurice and Boss Rutten are talking about guys like uh, Pat Smith, Roman Deckers." 
these legendary Dutch kickboxers that went over to Thailand and, and beat a lot of the Thais at their own game. And I've always heard a lot of these names, but never really seen the footage. Now I go to this guy's uh, YouTube page and I, I shared it with the guys. They have a highlight reel of 90s Dutch kickboxing, which is like, this is a bunch of stuff I've never seen. And man, I mean, because because Boss would talk about like, these guys were fucking nuts. Like th these fights were fucking crazy. And they are. Um, the first highlight is one that I've seen a bunch where um, someone checks a low kick and get, has their uh, shin fractured, which is the first time I ever saw that. That that highlight was the first time I've ever seen that happen. And of course, we've seen it multiple times more recently in the UFC. There are multiple moments where guys are jump kicking each other out of the ring. We had a nice appearance of Dirty Bob Schreiber, and you know they had to throw in a clip of him headbutting a dude uh -huh. on purpose. Um, and it's just watching. So once I watched that, I was like, Oh, I want to check out the rest of this stuff. And there's a whole world of kickboxing that I always knew about. I like to call it the, the pajama phase, especially in the States where a lot of kickboxing was no kicks below the belt. And for whatever reason, dudes got to wear silky pajama pants when they do their kick. Was this the Rob Kamen era or no? Uh, Rob, I mean, Rob Kamen was another Dutch kickboxer. Yeah around that time that like really just demolished guys um he's he's kind of like, i mean if people who heard that name sound familiar it's because joe rogan always talks about he thinks rob Kamen is the best kickboxer he ever saw that's what yeah. he always brings up yeah i mean rob Kamen is a legend um and was part of that kind of ilk um but what i found most interesting was like th this whole era of kickboxing that was way before my time the pajama pants era and you know i've always heard about guys like Don the Dragon Wilson, who used to commentate for old UFCs. Uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace, who I think was a commentator on the first UFC. Um, and then who was one of the other guys I just saw? Oh, uh, the Rufuses. Uh, so uh, Rick Rufus. And these are just... Uh, and then Benny the Jet. Um, I can't remember what his last name is. Rick was better, like, too, right, than Duke? People considered Rick to oh, be yeah. the... But Duke was, oh, no, 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 Duke no, no, was yeah. just some trainer afterwards. Like, he's yeah. more known as a yeah, trainer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rick was really the guy that kind of put that name. And then, yeah, Duke was his brother. who had a couple of fights, but didn't get to that level. And it's just, man, if you love spinning wheel kicks, watch yourself some pajama kickboxing. Because, like, <laughs> look at... When you can't kick to the leg, it's all fucking sidekicks, baby. <laughs> there are spinning kicks. I mean... Nick Diaz's head would be spinning with all the spinning shit these guys are doing. They're twirling and flying around. Um, it was just really fun. This is like a an era of the sport that I never really got to see. So it was really fun just to dig in and just watch like, man, this stuff was exciting back then. You know, even with the limited rules they had, there was a lot of characters. There's a lot of fighters who just like aren't even on the radar um, that deserve a lot more respect. So it's just been it's been a fun time just watching like you know, these different fighters fighting Muay Thai guys and winning too, like seeing Taekwondo guys beating Muay Thai guys. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So it's been fascinating. Marcus, this is out of left field. And I didn't think, I mean, I don't know if this is anyway related, but is there any Javier Mendez stuff out there? I don't know. I, I'd never seen, never Because I, like, I, I know he fought in ISKA. I have no idea what yeah. ISKA is. Though. ISKA is like the International Sport Kickboxing Association. So a lot of these do with ISKA and WKA, which were kind of like the kickboxing organizations. But yeah, I never, you know, now that I think about it, I never seen, I should look up and see if I can find. I mean, there's one YouTube stuff, video but. I see of Javier Mendez versus a guy named Marek Piotrowski. And there's okay. another one against Conrad Plaw, <clears throat> PLA. But I don't know yeah, what he's got. I mean, for a guy who like one of the most well-known trainers in this sport, and it's called American Kickboxing Academy, 
we've always kind of known Javier to be this chubby coach that's just been in the corner of these yeah. dudes, right? You know? I mean, I think that's kind of the thing that kind of made this kind of deep dive so interesting is like, I've known a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys, when I first started watching mixed martial arts, were like considered to be these legendary fighters, but I'd never actually seen them in action and see what they were able to actually do back in their heyday. So, I mean, look, it was a very different time. But the tenacity, the violence, and the entertainment was still there. Um, so I definitely, if you had any interest, I definitely, I would first recommend, uh, so the, the channel's called Old School Fighter. Uh, the highlight of the, it's called The Dutch Kick of the 90s. I, that was the first one I really got into. And I saw Maurice. And then there's all these other fighters you could check out. But it was just, what it really made me kind of feel is like, man, there's a lot of, I would love if there was some kind of like, fighting combat sport mm. museum or had some kind of you know like they have like the baseball hall of fame or something to have something like that to like i feel bad there are so many fucking interesting characters that have come through there is no you know, kickboxing or i mean there's maybe it's not because is there a kickboxing maybe. hall of fame i mean maybe you I'm think it'd be an like answer a, like a hall of fame like a physical location where i could have gone and seen a highlight reel of Cliff Magic Thompson, who I never heard of. We just need to, you need money. Life. Like, you gotta think it'd have to be like right. yeah. the Netherlands, and, and, and right? That's your best hope. And, and Netherlands basically is your best hope. Maybe. Uh, but I mean, there's just there's a lot of guys. It, it would just, you know, it would it would take, you know, someone that was super financially well off, because like who's going to look it's up this stuff like once you watch it. for somebody, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but really cool. I really enjoyed digging into that I thought stuff. you were and gonna go with man, it'd be nice if there was just like a WWE network of kickboxing. Oh, I mean, that would be. I mean, you kind of would, would like, you kind of hope Fight Pass would be. What What does Fight Pass have in terms of K one? Even I know it's K one. Fight Pass has all basically, from what I can tell, of all of the heavyweight K one. So they have like all the Grand Prix. So all they got the like Mark events. Hunt winning the Grand Prix. They got that mm -hmm. one. Him mm -hmm. and um, pretty sure, yeah. Him and Cepho punching themselves in the face. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's a really they have good a bunch. One. I mean, what's unfortunate is they don't have Max. I don't know why they don't have K one Max. Why don't have Max? Yeah, wasn't on YouTube? They used to have a lot on YouTube too. K one though, I remember. Yeah. Well, I think Glory bought Glory oh. had to have bought K1 because I go on Facebook, mm. I see all these Glory videos, and there's K1 videos, and I was like, "You must own this shit because you're you're spouting it out." Um, but but yeah, I mean, so yeah, if you're interested in kind of like going back in time, like before my time, going back to pajama pants and seeing some Glory kickboxing get... acquires the rights to K1's video library. They yeah, have the international and, and... rights. But oddly enough, like that stuff is on Fight Pass. So maybe they worked out a deal. Isn't isn't know. isn't there some glory know. on Fight Pass too, or no? Maybe they, they have maybe. some glory events yeah. on one point. I don't Maybe, know, man. I didn't really check it last time. I don't get how we'll, they we'll get. How, how, how does how does Fight Pass make money? International, right? That's got to be it. People watching internationally. Maybe. All right, um, Mike, do you have anything to end the show with <laughs> for the people? <laughs> Any comments? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Are you? I mean, yeah. You sure? I mean, I would think he'd be slightly annoyed about how much you've been poking him this whole episode. I haven't poked him in an hour. I stopped poking him because <laughs> okay, there's no fun okay. if Mike doesn't do anything. I mean, I really was what like, you, I was, I had a whole you, uh, bit planned and Mike ruined it. <laughs> what are you um, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you all for listening to the show. Um, I'm Bobby, Dr. Law, three time champion. One, two, three time champion. That's right. All right. DJ Mark here, your two-time champion. You, got and you know me. what, I'm man? They make the silver medal for a reason, and Mike's got four of those fuckers. So hey, you know what? More than I got. 
Probably. I, mean, I don't think anybody. I mean, I don't think this is much too. consolation. I'm not even saying this to be mean. I don't think anybody's gotten second as many times as Mike has. I'll be honest. I think I've gotten third a few times, quite frankly, those times he got second. So. No, I, I've butchered a couple of these bad, but. I think of all the ones Mike has lost, the one that bothers him the most is the one he lost because Amanda Nunes knocked out Cyborg Santos. And mm. Stefan, who acts like he doesn't ca didn't care once at any level about any of these. Stefan tried very hard on these, just to be clear about this. That's the one that Mike bothers Mike the most. More than the Chris Dawkins one, okay? I think him losing because of Amanda Nunes. I think losing to Stefan <laughs> because of Amanda Nunes knocking out Cyborg is the one that bothers him the most. Mike, please it, confirm. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. Because when you lose the championship. You were winning. A, a sure, <laughs> a, a, at least at the time, a sure thing gets knocked out. And like in kind of hilarious fashion because she went down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I think that was also the year where you like had the plum pick. Like you were really feeling yourself that year and it just crumbled all at once. All right. We're going to be back next week where we're going to do the It's M Amazing year end awards, including fighter of the year for both male and female fight of the year event of the year. That's always fun to figure out that last one. Hey, man, we thought it was going to be the last UFC pay-per-view before the judging ruined it. Well, I guess, you know, there was no more finishes after that anyway. There. We're going to do that. We'll have, uh, you know, we'll see. Quote of the year used to be real fun, but then we just realized we kept doing Derek Lewis every year. Until next week, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Hope everybody has a safe holiday. Um, those of yep. you enjoying Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Those of you enjoying Christmas, Merry Christmas. Those of you don't really buy into any of this bullshit and just enjoying your time with your family, happy holidays to you. Back next Cozy week. Cozy Kwanzaa? I don't know when Kwanzaa is. Is it? it I don't know. It's next Monday. Okay. I just I just heard someone say, call it Cozy Kwanzaa, and I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> happy. Have a Cozy Kwanzaa. Mike's about to yell Harambe to end this show. Peace out. Goodbye. See ya. been cold we're in we're in the deep december here yeah two days before winter starts is it the longest day of the year is wednesday right well shortest day of the year yeah fucking that that's what i meant all right long shorts oh you don't forget festivus happy festivus peace out harambe